calories and nutrition are not the same thing. Today we're gonna to talk about how to eat for health rather than to eat for weight management, whether it's loss, gain, or staying the same. So stay with us, here we go. The world has gone crazy with pandemics, a global health crisis, toxic food, and technology taking over. Taking over. Welcome to Man vs. Death, How to Dodge. The Reaper, the Reaper, the Reaper. <clears throat> All right, enough of that silliness. The big question is this. In today's hectic, crazy world, how can busy professionals like us not only survive, but thrive and rise above all the threats every day to live long and prosper? This podcast will provide key tips, tricks, hacks, and experts to guide you to amazing health and hopefully a longer life. Welcome to Man vs. Death with your host, Ian Ayer. All right, all right, all right, as Matthew McConaughey would say. Welcome to the show. And today we are talking about part two of this three-part mini-series of eating for weight loss versus eating for health. Nutrition, basically, what's the difference between it? Why would you do it? Why would you not? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now, if you're a, a bit of a, you know, nutrition buff and you know what you're talking about and everything you might think oh, what's the point what's the distinction well and then maybe this isn't aimed at you maybe you should just you know jog off and come back later who knows but anyway you might find out something you didn't know before and that's really what this is all about today now for those of you who are unsure you don't have clarity over what you could or could not be doing in terms of what works for health versus what works for weight loss versus what works for muscle gain or even just maintaining a healthy weight. That's what this is all about. To try and give you um, some clarity, debunk some myths, and you know, hopefully make you allow you to make better, more informed decisions over your health. Okay, so here we go. So we discussed weight loss previously and what the factors for weight loss are and the kinds of things that you might want to do from a nutrition point of view when it comes to weight loss. So today, we're going to now be talking about eating healthily for your health, okay? Because they're not the same thing. As we discussed last week, effectively, you could eat on a diet or live on a diet of say, you know, burgers and chips, McDonald's, KFC, whatever. And you could still lose weight and you could do this for a long time in your life. And you could eat that all week. You could eat Greg's sausage rolls or Winsel's. I've heard there's a new Greg's. I don't know. Uh, you know, you could eat all this stuff all week and uh, drink gallons of diet soda and everything else. And you could lose weight. You could do that and you could maintain weight. You could even eat loads and gain weight. We know that. We know that's possible because loads of people do that, right? They gain weight. But you could even gain muscle by doing those things. So the big question then is, why would you want to eat healthily then? What's the big difference? What's the big benefit? Because if, you, if you're telling me, Ian, are you telling me, are you telling me that I can eat shit and not die and look great? And I'm here to tell you, you can eat shit 
and not die and look great for a while, at least, generally in the very short term. So to give you an example, you know, you will find some top athletes, if you're looking like the CrossFit world, for example, some of those people are not eating from a nutrition and health point of view. They're eating from a calorie point of view, from purely from an energy point of view. Do they look ripped to pieces? Yes, they do. But why? And it's purely because at their level of activity, the amount of energy calories that they burn per day, they just need fuel for the sake of fuel, okay? And sometimes that isn't always the cleanest of fuel. Now, why is that important to distinguish that between your, your very, very high level athlete who are burning thousands of calories a day and especially at a competition time? Will they be eating like that all the time? Not necessarily, but a competition time, probably yes, okay? And distinguishing between them and your average Joe Bloggs who works a nine to five or these days, you know, seven to seven, um, has a, a fairly uh, more normal, shall we say, life and um, isn't burning those kind of calories per day. Well, it's simple, really. It's simple. If you look at how much you would have to eat if you were eating for health versus eating for calories, if you were one of those athletes, okay? So let's say, for example, that they're burning anywhere between eight to 10,000 calories a day, okay? Which isn't, you know, out of the, the realms of possibility. If they're eating eight, let's say eight and a half thousand calories a day, okay? If you try and get eight and a half thousand calories in per day of leafy green vegetables, which are massively nutritious for you, lean cuts of meat like chicken breast or turkey or white fish, which is, these are all low in fat cuts, but high in protein. So really good for you from a nutritional point of view. If you're going to eat carbohydrates that are again, unrefined to give you slow release energy. So things like, for example, you could have uh, brown rice, you could have potatoes, sweet potatoes, you could have um, some kind of like quinoa, for example, or other kinds of uh, sources like beans, legumes, things like that. If you were to eat those things to try and get your 8,000 or 8,500 calories per a day, you would literally be eating like 20 times a day and in big amounts. So number one, the first problem is time. The second problem is effort. And the third problem is it just, it's just mentally exhausting. You're already at a top athlete level. You're already doing stuff that's mentally exhausting. You don't want to add to that. You don't want to feel even worse about what you're doing because it's just, you're not going to sustain it. It's not sustainable. So instead, what they're going to do is they're going to try and eat as healthily as they can as a base, but they're going to top that up with as many fuel providing nutrient, uh, fuel providing calories as they can. And that might come in the form of, for example, um, if you see like distance runners, for example, they'll have like the, the gels, carbohydrate gels, they'll whack those back. It could be a drink. It could be anything that they can get into their body quickly that has a higher amount of calories. So higher calorie foods generally are either high in carbohydrates or high in fat or both. So if you have something like a pizza, okay, and it's got quite a bit of meat on it, a lot of processed meats, lots of cheese, all that sort of stuff, you're going to be talking about north of a thousand calories um, just for that pizza. It could be anywhere between one to 2000 calories, for example, for the pizza. Now, imagine you're eating eight and a half thousand calories a day. Well, if you have a 2000 calorie pizza, you're well on your way. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good return for time, energy, and everything else. And it's going to give you that feel. And you're not worried about fat at this point because you burn too much. 
But if you are not burning that amount of calories, if that isn't your job, if it's not your profession to look good in a swimsuit calendar or whatever, then you have no reason to try and replicate or emulate those people. In fact, it is killing your health. Health is relative to what you do, okay, as is function. As I say, if you're a swimsuit model, you need to be in shape for that swimsuit modeling career. If you're a top athlete, you need to be in shape and physically capable to do what you need to do in that career. If you're a desk jockey, you do not need to do those things. But what you do need to do is keep your body healthy for your career and your life and all the things around it. So commonly, we need to start eating better foods to get a better result, to manage our energy, to manage our stress, to manage our weight, and to manage our performance. It's really about eating foods that are going to give us as much nutrition as possible. So when we talk about foods and macros, for example, okay, so macronutrients, okay? Macronutrients are is the breakdown between the different layers of food. So you have your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fats. Then you've got your micronutrients. Now your micronutrients are the vitamins and minerals that you get within those foods. So ideally, we want to be talking about a micronutrient level rather than just a macronutrient level, okay? Your macros are a split of what you eat. So if you eat a pizza and it's got meat on it, then you're going to have carbohydrates from the base. You're going to have, if it's got cheese on it, you're going to have high, high fat content. You're going to have fats in the meat, but you're also going to have protein in the meat and protein in the cheese as well. So that kind of covers all bases. If you have a chicken breast salad, you're going to be very much hitting the protein target and you're going to be hitting lots of micronutrients. But unless you add some fats on there, you're probably not going to have much fat in it and you're going to have very little carbohydrates at all. Okay. So having a balanced diet is a really good approach for most people. And for most people, a balanced diet is a combination, higher, higher amounts of protein, decent amount of carbohydrates and a decent amount of fat. Okay good fats. So what's the difference between good fats and bad fats? There's no such thing as bad foods. As I've said to you, at the end of the day, if you need to eat calories and you need to eat fuel, then there's no such thing as good and bad. It's just a case of doing what you need to do. However, from a health perspective, there are certain types of fat that are progressively worse for you the longer you eat them because they cause more issues in your body as time goes on versus fats that are actually more beneficial and help you to recover, help cellular recovery, and also help you to grow and maintain muscle mass and fat percentages in a healthy range. So good examples, bad examples. Well, as I said, I don't like to use the bad examples, but think foods that you wouldn't want to eat as much, for example, might be things that are heavily, heavily, heavily deep fat fried, for example, high in saturated fats, okay? Whereas things that have fat in them that are more naturally occurring and haven't been as processed generally tend to be better. So for example, yogurt is not so bad, cheese, not so bad, as long as you can tolerate dairy, okay? Fats that you get from animal proteins, again, not so bad. But if you've got a really refined fat, if it's been really processed, really heavily changed in its structure, even down to the fact if you get some really awesome cold-pressed olive oil, okay, which has got so many beneficial nutrients in it, really, really good for your, your body. But if you take that and put it into a frying pan, then heat that up, it changes the structure of the oil. So that fat, the compounds in the fat now change. And actually it becomes volatile 
and dangerous. So if you keep having that over a long period of time, it can, not does, but can potentially cause things like cancer, okay? So olive oil, for example, is a great fat to have, but really you wanna have it in its natural form as is, it's just been pressed from the olive, so you wanna sprinkle that over your salad or use it as a spread on a sandwich instead of butter or whatever it is, any way you can get it in its rawest form rather than heating up is best for you. Now there are other oils that you can use that are better for heating. For example, butter has a higher burn rate, uh, higher burn temperature, so that's better. Uh, coconut oil, again, has a, a higher temperature burn rate, so again, you can use it, you can heat it, it's a little bit more flexible for things like that. Obviously, they do have a taste, and you know, I get it, right? You don't want to eat your, your eggs necessarily in coconut oil. It's going to taste a bit odd. I totally get that. And then there's other ways maybe you could do the, your eggs, for example, try and veer away from fried eggs, go more towards poached, a much healthier way of having it. So when you think about food and health, you need to start thinking about, well, what What's the main sort of easiest takeaway that I can apply to any situation, whether I'm on the road, if I'm at home, if I go around someone's house? The easiest, most simple way to look at it is this. Number one, the priority for eating healthy foods is eating whole foods, foods that contain one ingredient and that ingredient is themselves. So for example, potato just contains potato. Yeah. Chicken breast just contains chicken breast and so on and so forth. Outside of that, you can start combining whole foods and putting them together in a recipe. Now, if you make that at home and you know exactly what's in it, it's still great because although yes, you're cutting vegetables and cutting chicken and put it in together and to make this ingredients and make this a recipe, there's still whole foods that you're putting together. So you're gonna get all the nutrients back into your body from those sources. Raw foods are better than cooked foods in most instances. If you can eat raw vegetables, even if you can't eat them and you don't like to eat raw broccoli, for example, you could put it in a smoothie and actually taste is virtually not there, especially if you mix it with some fruit that you do like because you'll just taste the sweetness from the fruit. So the more raw stuff you can get into your diet, vegetable-wise, really, really good for you. When you cook it, if you have to cook it, steam it. Steam vegetables because it keeps as much of the nutrients in as possible. If you boil versus steam, I think the difference is something like 90%. If you boil it, you, you get rid of up to 90% of the nutrients if you overboil them. If you steam them, you keep up to 90% of the nutrients. So much, much better to do it that way if you have to cook vegetables. Outside of vegetables, things like potatoes, things like starchy carbohydrates, pastas, rices, etc., all of those sorts of things. These are always an area of contention. And the reason being because every body is different. For example, I love bread. Absolutely love it. I love wheat-based products. Pizza, bread, burger buns, I'm there. I love it all. It doesn't love me. Wheat does not agree with my, my stomach, does not agree with my body. And the older I've got and the more in tune with my body I've become, the more sensitive I've been able to actually understand the differences between having wheat in my system and not. And I'll give you a few examples. If I had uh, a sandwich today, love the taste. Oh, I feel great in my, my stomach when I eat it. Yum, yum, yum. Problem is later on that day, I will get a slump in energy. Now, some people will say it's because of the carbohydrate element themselves. Well, that's not true because I have other carbohydrates all the time. I will get tiredness, I'll get a bit of lethargy and I'll start to feel a little bit outside of that. Invariably, I almost always, every time, get some kind of itchiness on my skin somewhere, whether it be my arm or my leg, my stomach, I'll get some kind of itchiness, almost like an, an eczema-like related re allergy or re a reaction. Now, I've become so in, so sensitive to this, so in tune to this, that I can pretty much pinpoint when I've eaten something that's got wheat in, because I don't actively look for it in the ingredients. Like I just choose not to eat bread, choose not to eat things that are obviously wheat products. So instead, I will eat gluten-free or I just won't eat some of those things. If you don't have a problem with them, are wheat products a 
problem? For most people, no. For some people, yes, you'll be very, very sensitive. So finding out a little bit more, more about how you work can really, really help. One of the things that I offer my clients is the ability to have a DNA test. Now in that DNA testing, we can actually trace back your DNA markers and see whether you're more likely to have reactions to certain foods or not, and how that would affect your diet. So if you're not sure, there's always things you can do, but you can always just get a blood test as well and check to see if there's anything prevalent in your blood. Outside of those, other starchy carbohydrates are not bad, okay? There's this big culture of demonizing carbohydrates. And the reason is, the main reason that they're demonized goes back to studies done years ago, okay? When they investigated why certain groups of people were more obese than others. And they deemed that the common factor was carbohydrates. But the reality of it is, it wasn't just carbohydrates in those studies. These people were also having an extra amount of fats with their carbohydrates, as well as the protein. In other words, they were eating more calories full stop. They were very sedentary. They weren't really doing much. So it wasn't carbohydrates were the only factor at play here. They were a part of it, okay? But just like anyone who eats to excess, you will put on weight if you eat more calories than you burn. We've already established this. This is a fact. You cannot, you cannot break the laws of thermodynamics. It's, it is what it is, okay? This is why we say you can't out-train a bad diet. And by bad diet, we simply mean if your goal is to achieve X, but you're eating for Y, you're not going to match up, okay? So carbohydrates are not the enemy. In fact, they're a great source of nutrition when it comes to energy, okay? Um, energy aside, what else do they give you? Well, generally, carbohydrates tend to have a high amount of fiber. Fiber is not something that actually your body needs on a nutrition level, but the key element of fiber is Imagine it's like a drain pipe and you've been pouring your, your Sunday roast fat down the drain pipe and it's starting to build up the clog fat around it and then the hole in the middle is getting smaller and smaller the more fat that's accumulating. Well, that fiber kind of goes down and it acts like a, a rough sponge and it just washes it through every time, washes it through. So it keeps that hole as big as possible and it keeps your system clear of any blockages. So fiber is really, really, really important. And this is something that when people go on a long-term diet, like the keto diet, for example, they can have issues where they don't have enough fiber in their diet. So carbohydrates are not the enemy whatsoever. Balancing the act between carbohydrates and healthy fats can be problematic for certain people. So on the keto diet, for example, you are encouraged to eat lots and lots of fats with a fair amount of protein and reduce the carbohydrates from anywhere between 20 to zero grams per day. If you're someone who actually thrives from carbohydrates in your diet, you're going to find that non-impossible. You're going to feel like crap and it's not going to be sustainable. However, if you're the kind of person who doesn't rely and doesn't need carbohydrates that much in their diet, the keto diet will be fantastic for you. You'll feel amazing because you'll have cut those carbohydrates out. You'll get a great result in terms of body composition. You'll lose fat really quickly and you'll have energy so you'll feel great and you'll be able to do more things. So the key point I want to make here, the distinction is there is no one size fits all when it comes to eating for health, but there are some basic rules that pretty much everyone can benefit benefit from. So number one, don't exclude any particular group. Eat protein, eat carbohydrates, eat healthy fats. Okay. Number two, eat whole foods as much as possible. Number three, eat raw foods where possible. Number four, pickled foods. Okay. 
there's a big, uh, it's quite fashionable now to eat, to drink things like kombucha, um, to have things like kefir, and to have things like um, pickled uh, foods in your diet. And the reason is because it's really good at promoting gut health. Now, if, you ever, if, you've, if you're familiar with the term of gut health and your gut being like your second brain, then you'll understand that it's really a lot more important than we first realized many years ago to actually maintain a healthy gut. Because if you do, activates other systems in your body and keeps you healthier from the inside out. So we kind of knew this for many years with things like we would take probiotics or have them in our yogurts or things like Actimel and stuff like that, for example. And they've kind of, you know, worked their way into the mainstream diet now. But we didn't really understand why we were doing it, just that it was good to do it. You know, it's good to have good bacteria. Well, the truth is we have bacteria all over us. Right now, there's millions of bacteria all over our skin, okay? And it's different in different areas of your body. It's the same in your gut. You have a microbiome of different bacteria going around. Now, in our modern society, especially in a COVID-related world at the moment, we tend to pump our body full of drugs and toxins. The side effect of some of those drugs and toxins, for example, drugs like antibiotics, they will wipe out all the bacteria in your gut, good and bad. Now that's a problem because the bad bacteria need to survive with the good bacteria to have this ecosystem where there's balance, okay? Now life is all about balance and it's certainly prevalent all over in and on your body. All right. If you take out one side, the other side grows too much. Take it the other side, the other side grows too much. When you get out of balance, that's when you get a problem. You actually want good and bad bacteria there all the time. So when you have antibiotics, it clears the gut, gets rid of this bacteria. And so ideally, once you've recovered from whatever illness required you to take those, okay, whatever viral symptoms you had, you should then look to repair your gut bacteria as soon as possible. And pickled foods can be a great way of helping you to do that because it creates the right environment for those bacteria to flourish. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't want bacteria, you do. You really do. It's beneficial. You've got to understand that whilst you may be listening to this and thinking, I'm a person, we're a collection of beings all put together in a symbiotic way, in a symbiotic way, okay? We've got millions and millions of different things living in us, on us, together to be this one being, all right, that you see or hear in front of you. Freaky, huh? But it's true. So you want all of those to act together and be in balance as much as possible. Um, and that's why things like, for example, when you eat certain foods, like I mentioned wheat earlier on, okay, why does it then give me an itchy rash? Because it's affecting, which then affects my skin. So you get that allergic reaction or that instant reaction to certain foods in certain environments. So pickled foods are great to have as well. Now, one of the biggest things that I'm going to mention uh, in terms of nutrition is hydration. And we are talking about water here mostly more than anything else. It's so overlooked. I, I will mention this to the cows come home every day of the year. If you want to have your most energetic, most on-point day of your life, if you did nothing else other than drink shed loads of water all day, you would experience it because it gives you energy, it gives you strength, it gives you clarity of mind, it gives you focus, and it keeps you all the toxins coming out all the time. So you cleanse your, cleanse your body from the inside out. Water is massive, absolutely huge for all functions in your body, but especially for feeling amazing, okay? So on top of the things we've already mentioned, hydration is absolutely... Now, when it comes to supplementing a healthy 
nutrition uh, plan. Obviously, exercise, you know, I'm not going to go on about that today, but yeah, that's something you should be doing anyway because it's, it's the base level of existence. You know, we're built to move. You should move. You feel good by doing it and you can progress and it's great and there's so many reasons to do it. But what else could you be putting into your diet to keep healthy? Well, number one, vitamins. Because even if you're eating a really healthy, nutritious diet all the time, the truth of it is, sadly, in 2021, number one, our crops are not as nutritious as they once were, okay? Due to the way that everything is, is done in agriculture now, we have lost so many nutrients from the soil over the last 200, 300 years that the vegetables are nowhere near as nutritious, nutritious as they once were. I think it's something like 70% less nutrients compared to a few hundred years ago, which is massive, okay? Which is why you've quite often, you may have heard, um, I've certainly experienced it with people kind of go, you ever notice that like carrots taste different to when they did when we were a kid. They do. They absolutely do. And it's the same with lots of other vegetables and other meats and everything else because agriculture has changed so much. Now, it's the same with our meat as well. Okay. Anything that's reared on a farm or anything that's been uh, raised by humans, the feed is going to be different to what it was years ago. Therefore, the nutritional value is going to be different. If you're eating meat sources that are fed on genetically modified grains, for example, that potentially may have an effect on your diet. If they're eating lots of corn and you don't tolerate corn very well, you're going to have issues with that, so on and so forth. So finding out where your food comes from is a big part of eating healthily, okay? The nutritional value, just because it looks like a really fresh piece of fruit or vegetables, doesn't mean it's actually that high. So you can supplement that with a decent vitamin tablet. Now, I say decent, I'm not going to give you any specific suggestions because honestly, there are so many out there that, you know, I don't want to say they're the ones, okay? But anything that covers the range of vitamins, a multivitamin will be good enough. If you're female, you need ones with iron. If you're a male, you don't need the extra iron. So that's number one. Number two, omega-3, six and nine. Because again, you're probably not going to get enough of that in your diet. And it's just so many, so many benefits for having it from preventing dementia to helping your joints to helping your fat cells on a cellular level to regulate your fat and therefore keep your, your weight balance, all of those sorts of things and many, many, many more reasons. That's something that I would highly recommend. Outside of those, there's lots of other supplements you could have from a health or fitness point of view. But from a nutritional point of view, if you stick to those basics, so whole foods, raw foods, pickled foods, and making sure you eat out of all of the food groups as much as possible, then you can't really go too wrong. All you can do is refine it over time to get it better and better and better for what it is you're trying to achieve. So to give you an example of how this ties in, for me, if I am on a journey where I'm trying to lose weight, my main focus is eating as healthily as possible but whilst reducing calories. Now, eating healthily as possible while reducing calories is actually quite easy because, for example, if you eat um, a plate of vegetables, let's say roasted vegetables, roasted Mediterranean vegetables, so you've got courgettes, you've got peppers, you've got tomatoes, you've got onions. If you get a bowl of those and then you get some lean meat on top, you add some fats onto it, you are going to be talking about a meal that may be up to four or 500 calories, but it's going to make you feel full. You're going to feel really, really full. You're going to feel satiated. So you're not going to start snacking for other things. Okay. So if you're in a reduced calorie, um, in a calorie deficit to try and lose weight, that's a great way of staying healthy and losing weight. You're still getting carbohydrates because you're getting them from the vegetables. You're still getting your fats because you're adding them to it and you're getting your lean meats, you're getting your protein. So it ticks all of those boxes. It's not raw food, but it is 
whole foods. So that's really, really good. Um, and you can always supplement that with some raw vegetables and stuff as well and raw fruits and stuff as you need to. So that's one way of looking at it. If my journey was to bulk up, to add muscle, for example, but I wanted to add lean muscle, I didn't want to get like really big really quickly, I just wanted to add lean muscle over time. Then again, eating healthily is a great way to do that because you can control it with very simple meals. You know, you can add some more carbohydrates or some more fats, some good fats, and that will increase the calorie intake as you go as well. And if I wanted to maintain it, well, that's perfect because eating healthily can do that as well. Once you get into the groove of eating certain things, you tend to find as humans, we tend to eat them again and again and again and again. Whilst we do like variety, we also like consistency. So if you find it's much easier to keep making the same meals again, you're probably going to do that. And that's why it's really important to have things like a backup, like a vitamin, multivitamin, because we're the best one in the world. Even though, you know, we might eat loads of different foods every week, we're not going to eat as many different varieties as our body actually needs. Okay. And outside of that, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, for example, and you can't and you won't eat meat and it's not an option for you, um, then you have to be really, really careful of what you eat to be healthy because there's certain amino acids that you can't produce or we can't produce in our bodies, okay? And we need to get those from other sources. So usually this would come from animal sources. And if we can't get those, then we need to have combinations of certain foods to make sure that we do have those in our diet. So for vegans and vegetarians, there's other options. There's combinations of foods in terms of um, like things like quinoa, nuts, beans, legumes, et cetera, et cetera, that you can combine on a weekly basis. And again, you're probably going to have a lot of similar foods to make sure you get those. Worst came to worst, you can always get some synthetic amino acids as well, but you do want to get most of the ones that you can from food. So just wanted to point out today, guys, that eating healthily is not the same as eating for weight loss. Even though you can achieve the same goal with both, you can equally achieve the, the goals by not doing either either or. So you can eat like crap all the time and lose weight. You can eat crap and gain weight. You can eat crap and stay the same. You can eat weight, uh, eat healthily even, and gain weight, eat healthily, stay the same, eat healthily and lose weight. So it's really your choice. And when people say, and this really does annoy me, it's really expensive to eat healthily. Actually, it's not. And the longer term costs massively outweigh the shorter term costs of food. Food is expensive at the moment right now in 2021 post lockdown anyway, right? It's expensive everywhere. I mean, our shopping bill has gone up massively, but you don't have to get the best of everything to get going on your journey. If you're used to eating loads of crap, just start changing it over to even if you get like the essentials range in a, in a supermarket or the budget range, whatever it is of their fruits, their vegetables, their meat. And then as time goes on, if you can afford more and more and more, build it up or you don't see the value in paying for more, then build it up as you go or don't, but it's still going to be better nutritionally than stuff that you're eating that's processed, full of chemicals, that comes in packaging that doesn't do your body any good and ultimately is going to put you in the wrong stead for health for life, okay? So hope that helps. If you want any more helps and helpful hints and tips, feel free to reach out, join the Facebook group, or just keep listening. And we're going to help you each week to get you some more information on that. Next time out in the mini series, it's going to be how to eat for muscle gain without putting on loads and loads of fat. So hope they help guys. And I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Man Vs. Death, a show that's about health, biohacking, and fitness, and how to dodge the Reaper. <laughs> okay, we're being silly. 
Yes, the world's gone crazy. We got pandemics, a global health crisis, toxic food, technology taking over. It's nuts. But we've put together this show to help you and to help you live a longer life. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun, too. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash man versus death. Till next time, this is Man versus Death and the Reaper signing off. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me.